I jumped the gun a little bit, but it got me ready. I, th- I thought she was finished and still had another announcement. Stand with me, if you would, please, this morning. We uh, are in the Gospel of Mark. This series is called On His Mark, speaking of the life and the demonstration, the example of Jesus Christ. We are thrilled today to have every one of you here. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Victory. Find a screen, if you would. We have two verses that I want you to read uh, with us. Uh, the key text of the Gospel of Mark is found in chapter 10. We use this sort of as a springboard each week to move into our, seri- our message text. So today, let's read together from Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, uh, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Our foundation also comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, where Peter is preaching because the whole gospel of Mark is Peter's eyewitness account as told to his disciple, John Mark. And we've, we break into a message where Peter is preaching, and this really is the context. It's all about what's going on in the whole gospel of Mark. He's in the middle of a sermon. Peter is saying, listen, you guys know what happened, and here we go, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I want you to just stand with me this morning as I read our message text today. This is found in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A little bit to read, so listen. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Everybody say gospel. Gospel. All right. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, Say that with me. When Jesus saw their faith, that's so powerful. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Last verse. And he rose, and immediately, there is that action word that you see all over Mark, immediately. And immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Pray with me please this morning. Father, thank you for your amazing word. Thank you that in it is inestimable riches. It's a a mine of wealth, a garden of glory, a river of pleasure. It's the Christian's charter, it's the traveler's map, it's the soldier's sword. Thank you that it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I just quickly acknowledge before you and every person under the sound of my voice that I can't do anything apart from you. Holy Spirit, you're the only teacher. Get into the middle of all of these words and thoughts today and I pray today that you move and say what only you can say. Weave in and out of the warp and woof of my heart 
and into the hearts of each of these people individually and make a word personal to them. Make it a rhema, a spoken word to them from which comes faith from the hearing of the word. Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise because it's only in you and in the gospel of which you are that is the power of God into salvation. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Don't be seated yet. Grab your cell phone if you would. Everybody hit it, turn it to silent this morning. And I want you to move across your seats if you would, uh, across the aisle, reach out, meet somebody, say hello, say glad to have you here today. Take a couple minutes and let's do that this morning. Drop him, guys. <laughs> Let's give these guys a hand. And I, como esta usted? I bet you didn't know the paralytic was a Latino, did you? <laughs> you may be seated this morning. Um, did that make you feel a little bit weird when you heard somebody screaming, move? And you kind of wonder, well, okay, what's going on? Do you realize that's what happened the day that Jesus was sitting in his house in Capernaum? He'd come home, and there was such a huge noising abroad is what King James says. It says that this report went out, and they'd all heard that he was back in town because Peter's mother-in-law had been healed of a fever, and immediately they went and got other sick folks and brought them to Jesus earlier in the verses above this in Mark chapter 1. And the whole town showed up at the door at Capernaum because they were excited to hear that Jesus was preaching the gospel. And my first point out of the shoot this morning is that the gospel is a life-giving message that brings with it a whole different expectation and atmosphere. Read it with me if you would, please. The gospel is a life-giving message that creates a whole different kind of atmosphere and expectation. Now, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we, we see here, and I want you to look with me. I've already read this out loud to set this up so that you would at least kind of have a clue when they started running in with four guys and a paralyzed dude on a mat. Okay, I call David Smith, who is a first responder, and I always get it, you know, where he's a paramedic or an EMT because I know there's a difference in rank in those two. But whatever David is, David got the fire department to loan this to us so that we could use it this morning in what would be a little bit of a short illustrated message, illustrated sermon. And I think things like this help us really to kind of get out of words on a page and a history lesson from 2,000 years ago and sort of get ourselves in the moment. Because you've got to think about how crazy this was with the whole town crowded around this little small earthen hut of a, of a house. The architecture was not frame studs and siding or brick the way we have in 21st century America. But it was just a little small two to three room at the most, and a three room would be considered a mansion. A little small area that just had dividing area, area where there was a common place where they slept, a place where they ate and prepared food. 
And then maybe there was a place where there was a little fire and then a, a break and an opening in the roof in order to be able for that smoke to be able to, to leave, for them to be heated, to be warm at night in the cold months. And so you, you see the story here as we, as we go back now to Mark chapter 2 verse 1. He returned to Capernaum. Everybody say Capernaum. Literally it's translated city of comfort. Caper, Caper, that which means city of, and then Nahum, like the prophet Nahum, or very close to the word Nehemiah. Both Hebrew names which mean comforter. Okay, so Capernaum literally means city of comfort, which I think is pretty cool for Jesus to have his residence in a place called the city of comfort. After all, he is a comforter. Can I have an amen? amen. So he comes back to town after some days, and it's reported that he's at home. King James says it's noised abroad, so everybody's talking about it. They put it up on Facebook. They were tweeting it. They had pictures on Instagram. I mean, I mean you know... E! News Daily, they're out there, they're interviewing. Jesus is back in town. So everybody's talking about it, they're excited about it. People Magazine has a big spread. Everybody's getting the word out as much as they can in this first century scenario. He returns to Capernaum and they realize that he's at home. Next verse. And, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, no room? Now that's pretty serious. We're looking at standing room only. They're packed into the small house. Windows and doors are open. Jesus is probably seated on a stool or a little very primitive kind of chair. And he's doing what he does. He's preaching the gospel. His message is repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is now within your reach. It's within your grasp. Another translation says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The time is fulfilled. It's no more one of these days, but it's now upon you. And so the same message that Jesus preaches everywhere he goes, he is sitting down sharing it with these folks. And this message is called the gospel. He says, repent, change your mind, and believe in the gospel. The gospel is the history-making, life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. It's news. It's not advice the way religion gives but this is news. News is about something that has happened. It's not advice for what you can do. It's news about what he has done. And that's two entirely different things. We're not talking about world religions. We can, we can even talk about the many times the way we'll see this in the variety of Christian denominationalism. We see a, a legalistic Pharisaism that creeps in and it becomes a kind of a self-help to God how many of you know there is no self-help? There is no top ten list that you can follow and do it just right and get into God's presence the first time. There is no self-help. It is only by the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, he says. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Romans 1, 16, 17. So they're gathered together. He's preaching the gospel and there's no more room and there's something about the gospel. There's a life-giving kind of a message and it creates a charged expectation in the atmosphere. There's a crowd. 
This is why we're seeing things happen at Victory. This is why every time you turn around, there are new faces and people are coming to hear what is going on because lives are being transformed and, and people are being healed and marriages are being put back together and bondages are being broken. And it's not because the pastor is all that great a preacher or the praise team, although they are pretty good. I just want to say that. Give them a hand this morning. It's really good, good music, good flow, great hearts, but they're still broken people like all the rest of us. And I don't think it's about any of those things or putting together a great program. I believe it all is, has to do with the powerful influence of a life-giving message that's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is going forth. There are plenty of places you can go, and when you go, you feel like you've been beat up when you leave. I want, to, I want you to know that when you leave here, whoever ever gets into this pulpit, me or any of our pastoral team or anyone else who ever stands in this pulpit, they are charged to preach the gospel as a life-giving message. Because when you do that, and that's not all about, we don't set out to make you feel good. We preach the gospel. And guess what the gospel does? The gospel comforts the afflicted and it afflicts the comfortable. It will bring conviction in areas where you need to be corrected and adjusted, but it's never punitive. It's never condemning. There's a huge difference between the condemnation of legalistic religion and the Pharisees and the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit that will heal you and help you see you've got to break something. And He has the ability and the power to break what you don't. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So this gospel is this life-changing message. And so they're there and there is no more room. And this is what's happening in this passage where we were just reading. They came to Him bringing to Him a paralytic that's carried by four men, just like you saw Pastor Jeremy Soto wrapped up in this what this is called a man-sack or a man mover. And so he comes wrapped up in this thing, and these guys are hollering, move! And I could see the confusion. Just in some of you, what's going on? What are the, what's up here? What are these people doing? Especially the, the looks on some of our new folks' faces. Maybe I haven't met you yet, but you look like some new faces, and they're going, what are they doing around here, man? And you're thinking, okay, as long as they don't bring out that box of snakes, I'll be okay. <laughs> Let me just tell you the study. That happens, I'm making a door right over there. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so they're hauling this guy in. And by the way, we also like to have a few laughs and have a good time around here. Uh, I believe that that's really what the joy of the Lord is about. Somebody say amen. amen. So when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they got crazy. Cray cray kind of faith. They got crazy faith. They dragged him in the mat up the roof. They're trying to break through the crowd. And I deliberately had you get up and get out of your seats this morning and be shaking hands. And I told them to part the people, move them away. Just, you know, just create a little bit of confusion. And I wanted you to do that because I believe that's exactly what was happening on this day when these guys can't get in the door because there's no more room. And so this is what happens. The Bible says they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic Lay Last verse here in this section. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to see a few points that are important for us to grasp here in this section. First one is this. A paralyzed person has absolutely no ability whatsoever on his own to get to Jesus. Everybody say, that's me. I want you to recognize that this morning. Every one of us had to have the aid of the gospel to bring us. We weren't good enough. We weren't strong enough. 
we are broken, we are paralyzed, can't walk, can't move, can't get there, can't drag ourselves on one leg. There is no human natural ability that can get me into the favor and the presence of God. It's going to take somebody else carrying me. What I want you to see this morning is that a paralyzed person has no ability on his own to get to Jesus. Now, how many of you are thankful you've got some friends in this room this morning? People who pray for you, people who challenge you, people who stay after you and go, come on, come to victory, come check it out. There's some, some good stuff going on there. Gospel's being preached. Lives are being changed. You thank God for some grannies that never stop praying for your sorry self. And they still keep praying. Thank, I'm thanking God for my grandparents and for my mama who didn't give up on me and kept praying for me when I was crazy in high school couple years just out trying to get drunk and smoke weed and doing crazy stuff because I was mad at God, grown up in the church, knew what it was right, what was right and how to walk with the Lord. And huge long story there and just got mad at church, mad at God, put my Bible on the shelf, didn't read it, decided, okay, I'm just going to go do what everybody else does. I'd come home every night drunk and I'd end up be sitting in the bar because I always looked older than I was. At 16, they never carted me over there. The thing was to go to the Overton Square in those days. We go to Silky's and get one of those big painter buckets, you know, and do all that craziness. And, and, and you know, I'm probably maybe reminding some of you of, of some of your past, maybe recent past, maybe last night for a couple of you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and let me just tell you, Jesus is big enough to help you right where you are in the middle of all that mess and help you see the futility and the stupidity of that. And I was doing all those things, and I'm thankful I would come home, and many times I'd sit up there in the bar and talk to people about Jesus. And... and um, be the craziest thing. I'd be in different places and somebody would, you know, say, hey, come on up and help sit with the band. I played in a number of different places back when I was a teenager. And, and uh, you know, crazy scenarios at times. There was a couple of times where somebody was laid and people even say, hey, why don't you sing? And we end up singing Amazing Grace in the bar. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm playing and all of a sudden I got tears going down my cheeks and I'm going, what am I doing here, doing this in this place? And, I'd sit up at night and talk to a couple of my friends that I was very close to about Jesus. And it just the Lord just kept working and moving in my life. And something happened when I was 18, which is part of my whole testimony. And God reached down into my heart and changed my life. And I've been full force ever since then. Started, started to college fresh with a commitment to walk with Jesus. And that's been my push ever since then. And I'm thanking God for faithful friends, for faithful and faith-filled friends who do what it takes to get you to Jesus. Because sometimes when you're broken in sin, when you're broken in sickness, when you're broken and the curse is all over you and there's no way you can, in your strength, get yourself to Jesus, somebody comes along, wraps you up in a mat and says, come on, we're taking you down there to the meeting place. And then you get there and you can't get in the door because the crowd is so big and you go, okay, well, I guess you need to take me back home. And they go, take you home? Ain't no way. We're getting on the roof, baby. Now, I, I just I want you to know that I really, this week, I saw all of this happening, and I, I was trying to figure out a way that I could rig it so that a ceiling tile would fall and dust would start crumbling down. And let me just say that those of you who've been in victory for a little while, you know that the building that we're in, that it's been raining four days, that could happen anywhere in the room. <laughs> but, man, I was trying to figure all this out, and I thought, man, it would be so great if I, I'm preaching. It's kind of like Jesus is sharing with the people, and then, boom, the ceiling tile falls down. It's... Is that me? <laughs> all this dust, 
<laughs> I never know what some of these guys have up their sleeves around here either. <laughs> See, we, we like to keep your attention, and we'll keep it real. And can you imagine what it was like? Jesus is sitting there, and he's telling them, this is the gospel, this is... This is the fact the kingdom of God is here. It's no more one of these days. And all of a sudden, you're hearing all this rumbling up on top of the roof. And you know there's a crowd there sitting in the room with Jesus. And you're hearing voices, but you can't quite make out what they're saying. Jesus is still just with poise, continuing to share the gospel. And there's all this racket and noise that's going on up on the roof. And all of a sudden, something breaks through. And whether it's mud, dried mud, or clay, or thatch, or a branch, or however they did their architecture in those days, it starts crumbling down. Pieces of the roof start breaking and falling right down around where Jesus is sitting. And before they know it, they see what looks like a human body wrapped in a sheet and here comes some legs, but no, the, 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 the hole is not quite big enough. And so guess what? They, these guys start pulling and hollering. Yeah, and they pull back, and guess what? Major part of the roof breaks open. Here comes daylight, comes beaming down into the room where Jesus is sitting. He's completely lost their attention at this point. Everybody's mumbling and whispering, and some are going, oh, my gosh, look, they're, they're letting somebody down through the roof, and here comes with four ropes, and they've got this guy tied, and he starts dropping right down in front of where Jesus is. What a crazy moment. It's such raw faith. And the faith is so incredible that the Bible says Jesus took notice of it when Jesus saw their faith. And so this morning I would ask you a question, can Jesus see your faith? Now, we've got some things that are happening here and I want you to grasp this with me. I'm thankful for friends who do everything they can to get me to Jesus. Next point, when there is no way in the door, faith will break through the roof and will make a new way. Faith will break through the roof and will make a new way. I, I grew up in, in an independent Pentecostal church and we always had a mixture of white, black, and Latino. Once in a while I'll have a little Asian folks that would visit. But, but I, I remember going to church and we'd sing... I don't have my microphone, but I've got this one. It says, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It won't take a whole lot. Use what you've got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Come on, you got it now. Help me sing it. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It won't take, it won't take a whole lot. Just use what you've got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Everybody, faith. Faith, faith, just a little bit of faith. Help me sing it now. It won't take a whole lot. Come on. Use what you've got. Everybody say faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. They had enough that Jesus saw it. They had lay still in that mat, paralyzed man. We're going to drag your carcass up on the roof and we're going to break through the roof of Jesus' house. 
where he's teaching. And all of a sudden he comes being let down in front of him. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. Now I want you to help me see, I want you to grasp and see the larger prophetic picture in this thing. This is like me and you. We have absolutely no personal ability whatsoever to bring ourselves into the presence of Jesus. To grasp this thing in order to change our lives, in order to take hold of His favor. There is nothing. I'm paralyzed. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you this. It's worse than that. You're not just sick in sin. You're dead in sin. And a dead man can't do anything on his own except be carried around with, by a bunch of pallbearers. And it takes a spoken word of life to speak into your life and raise you up from spiritual deadness and God to give you a new resurrected life. This is what I want you to see this morning. Next point. The subject of this whole story has done nothing to get in. It's all been done for him. Now this map is a picture of the gospel. As a matter of fact, he's being carried by four friends. And I believe that right there is the picture of every sinner that's wrapped in the gospel, carried to Jesus by the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew gives us a picture of Jesus the king. Mark gives us the picture of Jesus the servant, the ox. Luke gives us the picture of Jesus the perfect man. John gives us the picture of Jesus the eagle or the God-man. Now, what I want you to see this morning is that Jesus is king of the universe and he's king of your life in spite of whether or not you are considered to be a subject in his kingdom right now or not. And guess what? Jesus... Even though he's king, he's also servant. He's willing to stoop very low and get down underneath your paralyzed condition and lift you up. And it's only the gospel that can carry you this morning. See the larger prophetic picture. This mat is the gospel and the four men are pictures of the gospel bearers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Thank God for literal friends who carried this very real man. This is not just a metaphor. It's a real person who was healed. But there's a prophetic picture still here to see. The subject of the story was a passive participant. He didn't do anything to get there. He was carried in. Everything that was done for him and to him was done by someone else. And it says they saw, Jesus saw their faith. So they're bringing a paralyzed friend and Jesus sees their faith. And when he sees their faith, he looks at this one and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is the point that we want to make this morning. The gospel is Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. It is all three of those. So many in southern churchianity in the Bible Belt South will preach that Jesus forgives, Jesus saves from sin. But you don't hear them emphasizing in most churches that Jesus heals sick folk or Jesus delivers folks in bondage. And what I want to tell you is the gospel is all of those. And we don't have a miniaturized, less powerful version today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look with me to the next section, if you would please. Mark chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. The Bible says, Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Now, first point is that it's not a problem to question. You just need to have a right spirit. And so this is what they're asking. Why does this man speak like that? There's no problem with that. But it's when they continue to talk and they add the accusation to it and they say, he is blaspheming. 
Who can forgive God but sins alone? And you know what? There are always people, they write blogs, they're critics all the time, that are always after uh, the dotting every I and crossing every T. And we do want precision. We don't want to misrepresent the, the gospel in any kind of way. And there are charlatans that are out there that are on TV and that are pastoring churches. And that's between them and the Lord. God, God will judge them. He'll judge them by their message and the fruit of their ministry and their lives and all of that. And I'm not going to take a long time talking about that this morning because that's not my focus. My focus is on Jesus and the true gospel. I believe that we, should, we ought to take the approach that every bank does in teaching their tellers how to handle counterfeit money. They don't spend an enormous amount of time studying all the varieties of counterfeit. They spend their time studying the reality of the genuine, what is a real, true, valid, authentic $100 bill minted by the U.S. government look like. And so guess what? You get fully acquainted with the real thing. You'll have the ability to spot what's wrong when it comes in as a counterfeit. Can I have an amen this morning? Amen. So our whole focus is not to, to, to get on the negative and start being critical of all the ministries out here and how everybody thinks that they are doing right or, or not. Because let me just say this to you. I don't know that you can ever listen to anybody and agree with 100% of everything that's said. I mean, there are people here on my staff. We don't necessarily, we see eye to eye on all the major things and over most of the other things. But once in a while, there's a little bit of a variety. And guess what? That's just fine. That's okay. There, being a Christian, if you're going to put the stipulation that you have to agree with everything, you'll never find the local church. And as soon as you do, you'll split it. Because I guarantee you, something will come up that you don't agree with. And the whole point is not to have an accusing spirit. There's nothing ever wrong with asking questions, but it's when you start coming with the accusation behind that question. He's blaspheming. When we start doing that, guess what? Jesus responds and Jesus says to them, why is it that you ask these questions? It's, it's okay to question, but you must do it with the right spirit. And immediately the Bible says, Jesus perceiving in his spirit. Next verse. And immediately... Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know. Read those five words with me. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, last verse, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. I missed, a, I missed a point, and I want to get this in, because some of you wonder what I was thinking. The gospel will always challenge our limited understanding. And I'm thank you, media team, you're wonderful. You're having to kind of go back with me. But under Mark 2, 6, and 7, the gospel will always challenge our limited ability, our limited understanding. And this is what's going on. First point under the, this section, Jesus has come to free me and you from our religious limitations. Everybody say freedom. <coughs> now, everybody walked in here with a set of expectations because probably in the Bible Belt South, you think there's a certain way to do church. And I really do hope that we haven't offended anyone this morning. This is different. And we're different deliberately because we, we don't believe that God hiccups a cookie-cutter representation of His church all up and down Missouri with all of the church row. Uh, even if you go among them, you'll see there's some variety. 
And we don't believe that we're obligated to do it the way everybody else is doing it. We believe that what has to be guarded is the purity of the message. But the methods in every generation are up for grabs. Because the way we do things, many times, unfortunately, become the focus. People split churches. The, method, the message can be intact. The brothers can be declaring the gospel clearly. And if there is proposed that something that's never been done that way before is proposed, then everybody sort of gets up in arms and goes, Oh, no, that's not the way Granny did it. Well, guess what? Granny's dead. Thank God for Granny. I know Granny was a charter member and Granny, the cornerstone, her ashes are out there. Not ashes, obviously, no way. But she's buried out there in the back churchyard. She's in the presence of Jesus. Let Granny rest. Too many times we don't do things. We don't just step out and try to embrace something that might be a fresh way of doing something because it's never been done that way before. And guess what? When you start hearing that regularly, that church is already dying. Well, we've never done it that way before. And basically what Jesus is saying is, guys, don't get all wrapped up here in procedure. Did, really, does it, does it really matter? Is, is, is this what you are so up in arms about? Really? Is, so, so what's easier to say? Uh, rise, take up your bed and walk, or son, your sins are forgiven? They're words. They're words that speak to different aspects of the gospel. Jesus saves. Son, rise, take up your bed and walk. Or son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saves. The other one is rise, take up your bed and walk. That's Jesus heals. Guess what? When you get the gospel, you get all of that. We're just trying to make sure that you, when you hear it preached, you realize it's not just Jesus giving you a heaven-hell proposition where if you choose to walk with him, you're going to heaven. If you don't, you're headed the other direction. That's just such a bare minimum of what the gospel is about. Unfortunately, that's all that gets preached in so many churches in so many circles. Jesus not only saves, Jesus heals Jesus delivers. Somebody say amen. amen. And you know what the focus is? The focus is that here at Victory, we want to get you to Jesus because the gospel is Jesus. It's not just a set of principles or proposition, but the gospel is Jesus, and he is always bigger than we can ever imagine. Next point. The gospel is Jesus, and he is always bigger than we can ever imagine. Now, the problem is this. Is folks want to get all tangled up about Okay, great. I'm glad you baptized believers, but how do you do it? Do you dunk them three times in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Or do you baptize by Acts 2.38? Or do you pour? Or do you sprinkle? And I want to go, does it really matter? I mean, I'm serious that people get all up in arms and split churches over this. Now, don't, don't get upset or offended here. I believe that baptism is particularly the identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So when you get baptized at Victory, we will lay you down in the water and you'll get back up as a identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know what? That water is wet, just like it is anywhere else. And whether we do it in a creek, we had a, we had a warrior weekend, a man weekend, man camp up at, uh, what is it? Hardy, Arkansas here a couple years ago, baptized several guys out there in the Spring River. You talk about Chili Jordan, honey, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not where it happens, it's not who says, it's not how they say it, if it's right or, or what. I mean, I, I believe that there's, a, there's, there's something that's been laid out in Scripture, but we can get so up in arms over the procedure and nitpick all this stuff and you know, well, when you receive communion, is it open or is it closed? You know what? I don't know if you realize this morning we've got guests in here in the house today, and 
We didn't have our ushers go around with a flashlight checking everybody's Victory membership card to make sure that you were a member of Victory taking communion. Because we have open communion here. Some churches have closed. You have to be a member of that church. And all we say here is that you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. If you, if you are that, you're a member of the universal church. The, the, the worldwide body of Christ. Whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or any other number of Heinz 57 varieties, you're our brother, our sister in Christ. And we invite you to come on up to the table and we'll, we'll scoot over and make some room for a guest this morning. We welcome you. Well, how do you take it? Do you share a common cup and do the people file and pray and then does the, does the priest give it? Or are there individual cups and are they passed out? Or are they at stations and people come up? And, and you know, people get upset and fight over all those procedures. And I just really want to say, does it really matter? If Jesus is the center and, 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 and we're clear about what's being communicated, we're celebrating his death in remembrance of him, and we're renewing the covenant, reaching in the upward bar of the cross to the Father, and we're reaching in the outward bar of the cross to our brothers and sisters. We're making a commitment to walk in forgiveness, receive forgiveness from the Father, and extend forgiveness to our brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. That's the whole purpose. And then we want to fight fights over whether it's juice or wine, or whether it's a piece of raised bread, or whether it's a little bitty tasteless cardboard wafer. I've been all over the world. I've taken communion in every kind of variety you can imagine. We've done it to celebrate the Lord, and it's amazing how the power and the presence of God has come when in Indonesia, and I took a crust of bread and some pomegranate juice, and we took the communion, and the presence of the Lord came and ministered to our hearts. I've laid hands on sick people and used 10W30, motor oil, because that's what was available. It wasn't olive oil. It wasn't a special blend. Come on, does any of that really, honestly, does it matter? I mean, Jesus is saying, really, guys, you're going to get all up in arms as a bunch of scribes and Pharisees and legalists, and, and you're all here about whether I should say, rise, take up your bed and walk, or whether I should say, son, your sins are forgiven. And he says, just so you can know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on the earth, I'll say it this way, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the young man got up immediately. Come on, put, give, give God some praise. Jesus speaks the word and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I want you to hear this this morning. Last verse of scripture. Mark chapter 2 verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed. And he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw anything like this. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed. And he went out before them all. This was a guy who was carried in, paralyzed, and got up and carried his own bed out because he encountered the person of the gospel. Not just a truth, not merely a principle, not just a proposition, but the gospel is Jesus. And when Jesus spoke to him, his word to that paralyzed man enabled his response. Jesus' word enabled his response. Feel that in your blank there. His word enables your response. Guys, would you put that up there, please? I want you to see this this morning. This is the picture of the gospel.
It's a mat. It's a bed. It's an extended invitation. It's friends showing up and saying, you know what? We love you regardless of your addiction or your problem. We want you to come with us. Because we feel like if you can just get in the presence of Jesus, your circumstances can change. He's bigger than this struggle you have. We know you're paralyzed. We know you can't walk it out on your own. This morning, the extension of the call of God goes to every one of us here, and that is all of us are born in sin, have no ability whatsoever to walk with God, walk to God, and show up in His presence. But thank God we've got this thing called the gospel that comes and wraps itself around us and takes us right into the presence of Jesus. The amazing thing about it is that the fellow who carried in a bed carried it out, and now the gospel that wrapped me up now becomes something around me to cover and bring a blessing and protection on my life of the grace and the goodness of God that now wraps itself around me in the peace and the shalom and the blessing, the gifts of God. And so this morning, I extend this invitation to you. Jesus' word, Jesus' word enables your response. Every one of us in the room are like the paralyzed man who don't have the ability to do anything. But Jesus' word speaks, and with that word comes a grace, and accompanying it is faith for me to rise up and take hold of the promise. Last thing this morning, this is what responsibility means. What is your responsibility? What is my responsibility? Responsibility is your response to His ability. The only responsibility you ever have in the kingdom of God is to respond to God's ability that starts to move and work in your life. The Spirit of God is moving and hovering over this place today. The very same way that it did over Genesis 1, over a creation that was out of order and in chaos. And the very same way that Jesus with poise continued to preach the gospel while the roof crumbled around him. Some of you are sitting in circumstances where everything is falling apart. Bad news on the job relationships on the rocks, kids are a mess, personal struggles that nobody knows anything else about. I don't know what your situation is. Financial, marital, relational, family, personal, spiritual, emotional, whatever the struggles are, let me just tell you, God has sent four friends to you this morning. They're the carriers of the gospel. And they're coming to wrap a mat around you and carry you up on the roof and they're going to break open because breakthrough faith will break open limited barriers, barriers of limitation. That's the word of the Lord into each and every one of your lives today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't have to, but Jesus knows. This morning, can he see your faith? Can he see your response to his ability? Every head bowed, every eye closed. 